good morning, church. You know, real quick, we're going to do something different today. If I could have everyone stand on back up. Stand on back up. And we're actually going to take the next two to three minutes for a little fellowship break. So I want you to say hi to the people next to you. If you see someone new, go ahead and welcome them. But we're going to take this time for fellowship. All right, uh, let's go ahead and make our way back to our seats, and I'm going to kick us off with a word of prayer. All right, uh, please join me in a time of prayer. Uh, God, thank you so much for our time today. Uh, we're so grateful that we get to gather here in your name, and that's because of your son, Jesus, uh, coming down to earth, showing what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God, setting the example, paving the way for us, and also sacrificing himself for us. It's, it's for that reason and because of his resurrection that we get to be here today. Uh, God, it, it is encouraging to have events like this. I pray for anyone who's visiting with us today. I pray they feel welcomed. I pray they, they learn to breathe in the beginning of this service, as did I. But God, we're just so grateful to be here in your name. God, I do want to say a special prayer for my softball team tonight. Help us hit some home runs. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. You got to do it. You give me a mic, I'm going to ask God what I need to ask him for. It's great to be with you guys today. Uh, a lot of you are looking at what's on my face. This is a mustache. And uh, I have joined, joined the movement. Apparently it's a movement right now of men just going with the mustache. And I have, I've had men come up to me. I did that 30 years ago before it was cool. And Okay, cool. Th thank you for paving the way. You know, it's, 
It's funny what people tell you when you, I guess you're up here on stage all the time, so people like feel the need to comment on my facial hair. Uh, my two favorite ones are, does your, what does your wife feel about that? And to that I say, you think I'd have this thing on my face if my wife didn't like it? This thing would be gone. And my second favorite one is, I, I don't really like it. And to that one I say, I'm sorry, I don't care. <laughs> I didn't do it for you, but anyways, so I got a mustache. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, we want to welcome you to our family. Uh, I know you might be here for the free food and the games and the fun afterwards. Um, and as awesome as that is, the reason we do it is to hopefully show you what a family of God looks like and how much we value God's family here and what we can, we can be together under his mighty name. So I want to welcome you. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, you might be looking at what's behind me right here. I've got a, I've got a little banquet set up. We've got a little banquet. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 14 as, as we're going to be studying a little situation, a little lunch Jesus had with some people here. And I don't, I don't do this to resemble our harvest festival, but I, I do this to kind of give you guys an illustration of the situation Jesus was in. So I'm going to have a few of my friends come up. If I can get uh, Ricky, if you could come up on up here, buddy. If I can get Chris and Ian and Roy Come on and join me on stage here. And they're going to they're gonna be in my feast today. Ricky, if I can have you sit in that seat right there. Chris, you can sit right there. Ian, Roy right here. Well, fellas, thank you for uh, being willing to join my feast. My feasts are a little different. We don't have courses. We just have Krispy Kreme. And uh, so I'm going to bless these men's life real quick. Go ahead and uh, slap that on your plate there, Chris. They're all the same. Go ahead, Ricky. Cool, cool, cool. Roy, you too, man. Sweet. Well, fellas, just leave that right there. Go ahead, take a bite. Enjoy this with me. Wait. You guys didn't pray. We're at church. <laughs> Not praying for the donuts. <laughs> you see what I just did there? I, I set them up. I told them to, to eat, to be here with me, to join, and they took a bite and, and didn't pray for their food. And that's a little bit what's going on here in Luke 14. Right? The Pharisees, and if you read any sort of interaction between the Pharisees and Jesus, they, they don't go well together. Right? They're not friends. Now, one dislikes the other more. I would call that the Pharisees. They're, they don't like Jesus. They're out to get Jesus. They're out to, to prove Jesus wrong. So they set up this whole lunch to throw Jesus off, to kind of prove him wrong. And the day of reckoning is upon Jesus. And it's time to get him. It's time to catch him for the liar he is in this lunch with the the Pharisees, right? If you read in the beginning of chapter 14, we see that they were watching Jesus closely. And the Greek translation of that word watching, it, it could be translated to almost conspiring against or this sinister espionage to trap Jesus. Even the first guy that it mentions is at this lunch, right? The first one that shows up, it says it's a man with dropsy. It was a, a physical deformity, 
of an excess of, of liquid that would get stored up in the man's face. This man was not looking cute. It was very obvious that he wouldn't have been invited to this lunch other than to trap Jesus. See, the Pharisees heard about all Jesus' healings and his miracles, so they thought, let's invite a, a, a man with this deformity and watch what Jesus does on the Sabbath. Let's try to catch him breaking the law. And so the man with dropsy comes in, and, and Jesus knows what everybody's thinking, and he's going, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? If you had a child or an ox, something of value to you, and it fell on the well on a Sabbath, wouldn't, wouldn't you get the ox or your child out of the well? So can I not heal on the Sabbath? Right, this man, they, they set up Jesus. They wanted to trap Jesus, and they stayed silent, and Jesus responded. And Jesus, it says he healed him. And then the man went on his way. So I don't know if Jesus kicked him out to lunch or whatever, but you can stay at the lunch right now. Then there's this other situation where, where Jesus notices the environment of the lunch pretty immediately. You know, in this, in this culture, in this time, seating was everything. Where someone sat resembled their honor or their MVP-ness, right? And so usually the person to the right of the host was the man of honor, was the most important one there. And Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he's going, it's obvious that they're all gunning for some sort of a position, and so I wonder if Jesus saw someone in particular, someone who was obviously prideful, <laughs> who was gunning for glory at this lunch, and said, you know what? It's actually better for you to take the lowest seat because if the host asks you to move to a higher seat, you'll be honored. But it's going to be really awkward when you get asked to move down. You'll be humbled. And Jesus says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and then he directs something right at the host of this lunch. He says, you know what, it's not really serving or it's not really good for you to host a lunch for a bunch of people that will probably just invite you over for lunch next week. They're just going to repay you. There's something in it for you. In fact, it's probably better for you to invite a bunch of people that will never be able to repay you back. It's better for you to serve those that, that have nothing to offer you. So he put the host on blast because he just invited all his friends and wasn't willing to give to those who couldn't repay him back. This is an awkward lunch. I wouldn't want to be at this table because Jesus is calling out everybody's problems. And then something happens. What seems to be an attempt to break the awkward silence at the table. I don't have my clicker, I should probably get my clicker. It's an awkward situation. It's very tense. It's very emotional. Jesus is calling people out. And someone at the table says, when one of those at the table with Jesus heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. You ever been in a situation, maybe at a dinner table or an environment where it's so awkward, so tense that someone inappropriately places a spiritual comment to try to ease the tension a little bit? 
because they don't like awkward situations. Chris doesn't like awkward situations. <laughs> really doesn't like awkward situations. I'm making him feel awkward right now. This man says, blessed is the one who eats. It's kind of like, mom, dad, I, fail, I failed algebra, and then brother across the table. Blessed be God, for grace is abundant. <laughs> right? That, that's that's kind of what this man does here. But, but he says the magic words. He says the kingdom of God. Now, you can't say the kingdom of God around Jesus without Jesus getting hyped. Because Jesus was all about the kingdom of God. Anytime you mentioned or, or, or had a misconception or inquired about anything about God, he was going to tell you about the kingdom of God. And so this man said, blessed be the kingdom of God. Jesus, you want to talk about the kingdom? Let's talk about the kingdom of God. We're going to pick up here where Jesus shared this story. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've, I've bought a field and I must go see it, so please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way uh, to test them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered her servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys and the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. This situation that Jesus is in was supposed to be a moment where they got him wrong, where they caught him in the act of, of false teaching, of lying, of, of not being from God. Instead, Jesus took these fools to school. He told them what was up. He said, put your notes away because I'm going to write this one in your hearts, Pharisees. And he told them what was up about the kingdom of God. He doesn't talk about the glory or the amazing power of the kingdom of God or how awesome it is. But he talks about the excuses that will keep people out of the kingdom of God. The title of my lesson today is Lame Excuses. Fellas, you can have your seat. Thank you for joining me. You can take your donuts. Thank you. Let's grab lunch later. Maybe a not awkward lunch like that. You know, my hope is for today that we all make decisions and are even able to analyze ourselves as to what excuses may be keeping us out of the kingdom of God. I don't want you to walk away from this time having more information, but I want you to walk away from this time willing and ready to change. No one likes going to things for information. I never go to those timeshare things because there's too long, too much information. Just give me what I want, the free hotel. The point of today is not just for information. It's to change. It's to walk away ready to change. You know, I think excuses are funny. Like, can you guys think of some funny excuses? You know, for me, I'd, I'd rather you just tell me you don't want to do something 
then come up with a novel of excuse as to why you can't. <laughs> you know, and I think the funniest excuses are where people get so in-depth and just weird about the details of their excuses, and they, it wastes like five minutes of my life instead of just telling me, hey, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, there was this car crash, and, and there was an explosion, and I saved all six people, and so I'm sorry. I didn't take out the trash today. Like, <laughs> excuses. Excuses are, I'm totally going to diet this week. Chicken and broccoli every single day. Oh, they have caramel apples outside? Tomorrow. I'm going to start tomorrow. Tomorrow. Excuses. Excuses can be funny. You know, Jesus, uh, in this situation here, he compares the kingdom of God to this great banquet, this, this lunch. And the host of this banquet seemed to have put a lot of work uh, into this, and he sent his servant out to tell everyone who was invited, hey, it's, it's ready, come. Now, the way weddings or banquets or parties or whatever, it worked in this time, they had no clocks, they had no alarms or RSVP system, so you were invited, and then you would accept the invitation, and the only way you would know when to show up is when someone came and tell you, hey, everything's ready, come and enjoy. And so in this situation, the, the story Jesus is telling, it resembles God, the kingdom of God, and God sending Jesus to proclaim that it's ready. It's ready. Come and join, and I'm going to show you what the kingdom of God is, and, and come and join the invitation that I'm giving you, but, but there's excuses. I've got oxen, fields, marriage. I, I can't come. And I look at these excuses, and to me, they fall into two very relatable common categories that we too make excuses for in regards to being all about the kingdom of God, just like Jesus is. You know, those two categories, I feel like are materialism and relationships. You know, you got the first two guys, they had oxen, they had fields, right? Something that they, they were uh, occupied with, that they valued, and, and it took their attention away from this banquet. And then you got relationships, you, you got the marriage that that was the reason one of the guys uh, couldn't make the banquet. You know, materialism, this, this could be excuses of our own personal ambition, where, where your careers become the most important to you, or what you have, what you can buy, your, your comfortability, or even just when you become so valued to what everything you have that you're, you're greedy with what you do have towards people who need what you may have. You know, relationships, these excuses can come in the form of, of family, Friends, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, excuses can be found in these areas that, that keep us away from the kingdom of God. Well, Sam, like some of those don't sound bad. Those, some of those actually sound like pretty legit as why I, a valid excuse to why I would put them first. Well, here's something I've learned about excuses that, that I want to share with you guys today. Excuses expose your values. Excuses expose your values. When something is put before you and you have an excuse for why you can't or why you won't, what you're saying is, I have something that I value more than what's been put before me. For example, well, I don't work out because I'm too busy. Gym memberships are expensive, and I don't have the right kind of shoes. That's the excuse. The reality 
I value not being uncomfortable, not being sweaty or in physical pain, and I value chicken wings and cake way too much. Excuses expose your values. In the story Jesus told, the values of these characters, they were exposed. That they valued their, their possessions, their material, their, their ambition, their wealth, their relationship more than this banquet that they had previously committed to. Well, why don't, why don't you invest in, in diving into the scriptures and studying the Bible and, and growing closer to God and, and being a part of a community that can hold you accountable and help you grow? Well, I'm just too busy. Work is crazy. I just, I just don't have enough time. Hey, you seem to be in the same spiritual spot that you've been in for years. How come that hasn't changed? Well, it's just got a lot going on. I've, I've been meaning to get around to it. Excuses expose your values. And maybe you don't say it out loud. I value this more than God. No, I don't think any of us would say that wholeheartedly or, or, or verbatim. But when we make excuses, those speak volumes. We make excuses in our relationship with God, in our growth spiritually, in our biblical beliefs, our, our convictions. Those, those speak volumes to what we really value. You know, it's crazy when you really think about it. Even if you do value materialism, what you have, your job, being comfortable, filled with things that you can hold and use and make you look cool and feel good, even those at some point leave you lost. They're empty. Like it, it kind of get old really fast and you're looking for the next thing and the next thing. And so even that value leaves you lost and empty and lonely. Or if you think about the excuse of family or relationships being before God and, and putting them way before your relationship with God or your commitment, your, your obedience to his word. My question to that is, do you really love them? Because don't you think God loves your family, your friends, your spouse, your, your neighbors more than you do? So wouldn't valuing God above all of them display a crazy amount of love that you could never do on your own? But yet those oftentimes are the excuses or the reasons as to why we're not or why we can't with God. Maybe it's not excuses. Maybe it's conditions. God, I will do this for you if you do this, this, and this for me. I will go to church every Sunday. You give me the job, you give me the girl and the car, and we're golden. Or you give me the picture-perfect life here on earth, and I will be all yours. Maybe it's conditions. Excuses expose your values. What, what, where are your values today? Where are your values today? You know, you look at this story, and Jesus illustrates that the people that have excuses won't be invited, but go get the people with no excuses. With no excuses. And I find that interesting because this is so cool that, that Jesus would put that in the story because oftentimes we look at relationships with God, we look at Christianity or, or authentic Christianity, and we think, well, that's for the spiritually elite. 
That's for the super righteous. I, I can't go there. Got too much going on. That's for the people who are just perfect. I, I'm too beat. I can't do that. But you look at what Jesus, hey, go call the broken, the weak, the sick, those who are jacked up. Anybody can come. The only people that can't come are the ones with excuses. And so it's not a matter of your tier of Christianity. It's not a matter of your innate spirituality. It's a matter of whether or not you're going to make excuses. Why? Why does God just want anybody with no excuses? Because what God has been preparing is so valuable to him. It's so precious to him, right? Jesus shares parables about the kingdom of God being like a treasure, being like a pearl, it's, it's something of value. It's, it's a life lived through Christ. It's a life that's fulfilling, it's purposeful, it has meaning. It's full of grace, love, and mercy. It'll get you up in the morning. It'll help you sleep better at night. It's something that is worth all your attention. God, it's, it's, it's hope that God is offering. Hope that Despite the evil in our lives, how broken you might feel on the inside, the, the pain you carry on a day-to-day -day basis, it's hope that despite all of that, we don't have to be defined by it anymore, bound by it, harvest the repercussions of it. We get to live a life of hope through Jesus Christ. But here's the thing about hope. Hope begins when excuses end. Hope begins when, when excuses end. The only way you'll be able to find this hope that Jesus talks about, that, that God presents within his kingdom, is when the excuses come to an end. I believe that when you learn to value the kingdom of God as Jesus did, when you learn to be all about God's kingdom, all about the things that pledge their obedience and their lives to God, I believe that is where true hope begins in one's life. You're looking for healing. You're broken. You got, you got pain. You got so many things that you can't even understand why they've happened to you. Hope begins when excuses end. You're looking for community. You feel lonely. You feel like everyone in your life talks about all the shallow things, but nobody gets down to the deep, real stuff in life. Jesus has something for that. Hope begins when excuses, and you're tired of making the same mistakes over and over again in your life that leave you in this state of guilt and shame. Hope begins when excuses end, and this, this should be a shame-free environment. Because there's hope, but that only begins when, when the excuses end. You know, I look at the Pharisees sitting at this table. And for these Pharisees, they were, they were experts in the law. They, they were all about the Old Testament. They believed they were the chosen ones of God. We're going to reap the benefits. Their, their kingdom was going to be restored. They were a little cocky, to say the least. But they were looking forward to this, this banquet. And so even the idea that Jesus used a banquet as an analogy is interesting because there's so many Old Testament scriptures that refer to this feast that God was going to have for all his people. 
right? In the New Testament, it's uh, referred to as the marriage banquet of the Lamb. And so these men, they were excited to be a part of God, the kingdom of heaven. They thought it was, it was theirs. They were ready for the party, yet Jesus stood right before them and taught them that their excuses were what, were what was going to be keeping them out of the kingdom of God. You know, it's kind of like us. I think most of us in here would say, hey, Jesus is exciting. I love the idea of a savior, of a healer, of a, of a, a messiah. No, no, I want grace, I want mercy, I want love. It, that is exciting. He even, he even gets a free event started where there's free food. That's exciting. But I think just like Jesus was trying to teach these men at the table, I think there's excuses that can keep us away from the kingdom of God. Thus our values being exposed and rendering us not all about the kingdom. And so the kingdom, it's exciting. I think anybody in here, if I describe to you what the kingdom of God is like, you'd be like, I want that. But will you accept the invitation? Will you accept the invitation? Because I believe that Jesus is not looking for a bunch of church attenders. I don't think Jesus is looking for more church volunteers. I think Jesus is looking for people who will be all about God's kingdom. People who will value it just as much as he values it. Who will treat it like it's theirs, it's their own, it's their time, it's their money, it's their heart, their relationships. Will you accept that invitation? You know, I think in a second here, we're gonna take communion here together. And communion is a time where we remember Jesus through the elements, right? Just like he asked us to remember his life, his sacrifice. You know, I do believe that one of Jesus' main reasons for sacrificing himself was so that we would, in return, be all about God's kingdom. That it would be what we valued more than anything in this world. And so this morning, as we take communion, as the trays pass, where do your values lie? What do you value most? You know, maybe, maybe you're visiting for the first time and you don't really know where your relationship with God is at. And I think this is great because maybe you haven't started making some of the excuses that I know I have in my relationship with God. You know, maybe you've, you've flirted with the idea of God for quite some time now, but you're in the same exact spot spiritually you've been in for years. And you've become a church goer, a church volunteer, but not about the kingdom of God. And this morning as we're taking communion, I don't want to just depress you with how, where your values aren't, but there's also a celebration that if your values are in the kingdom of God, how rewarding that is. And if they're not, even how exciting it is to look forward and, and ur an urgency look for a time where God is everything to you. I do believe those are decisions we can make here this morning. Are you ready to say no more excuses and be all about the kingdom of God? The hope that in this life only comes through Jesus when the excuses end. I think Jesus wanted these men to see this thing is so worth everything you have in your life. In fact, I think those things will all fall in line when you put God's kingdom first. 
I'm going to say a word, a prayer here for the communion. But I do want to share, today we are going to see someone who has decided to make their life all about the kingdom of God. And we're going to see Christine get baptized today. I think she's up there. She's getting ready. Christine is a part of the UCR ministry. And she's decided to to make her whole life about the kingdom of God. I want to say a word of prayer for everyone in this room that we can also every day make the decision to not make excuses and value the kingdom of God. Let's go ahead and pray. And then if you don't have a cup, go ahead and raise your hand and our ushers will get you one. God, thank you for this time. So grateful to be here this morning to worship uh, with the family. Grateful for the guys that ate donuts with me on stage. God, I want to pray that, uh, that you use all this for your glory to work in people's hearts, God. That Whether it's uh, our communion here this morning or it's the fun and the fellowship outside. Uh, God, that we can engage in discussions about being all about your kingdom. Uh, God, that we can analyze our, have a time of self-analyzation where we think about the excuses that we've been making for way too long. Uh, excuses that are keeping us from you, that are keeping us from uh, the life you have to offer us, the, the, the life of hope through Jesus. God, I'm so grateful for the life Jesus lived. He was all about your kingdom, and, and I want to be just like that. God, I pray we can be a church, a family that resembles men and women who are all about you, and we value you the same way Jesus did. We love you. Thank you for this time. It's your son's name I pray. Amen. Prepare me to be a sanctuary. 